Welcome to a special edition of Top Lines and Tales, and it's great that in episode 160 we can still do a little bit of groundbreaking because this week we're actually having a party, a party online, a Zoom party with uh, a lot of friends, a lot of friends of Top Lines and Tales and people that we know personally. And but the party this week is a Christmas party and a Christmas kissed party. And uh, for those of you who don't know what a kissed is, of course, it's the show box that we take, the box that we take with all our goodies to the agricultural shows, known as a kissed in Scotland. All those kiss there are generally stored in one place and everybody sits around on them, brings out some drink and we all have a party. So we're having a kiss party but we're having it virtually. So we've got somewhere in the region of 30 to 40 people who were at the Royal Smithfield Show, which was a long time ago now. We're having our annual kiss party from the Royal Smithfield Show. 30 or 40 people turned up and it's brilliant. We're all giving it some chat and I've split it I've split this episode into two because the first one, we're talking about the Royal Smithfield Show, about the winners, about some of the people that won, to some of the people that won, who were also on the call, uh, that great event down there in London, and what went on inside the hall, and, and, and what happened, and how fantastic it was, and uh, please enjoy some time in their, in their company. And then the, the second episode, it starts to spiral a little bit as the drink flows into an episode that gets a little bit more sordid and maybe a bit more candid as we talk about the things we did maybe outside of Smithfield and I know this episode ends with us one or two of us talking about going down into the seedy part of London back there in the 19. 19- 70s and 80s where uh, a few things happened and went on which was good fun so uh, please enjoy this episode and then uh, don't forget to tune into the next episode part two but uh, I would suggest you don't uh, let uh, your children listen to the part two of this so sit back and enjoy a little bit of time there with uh, some great people having a chat and a drink about Royal Smithfield show and because this is an online party there's a lot of background noise in places and you will hear from time to time the doorbell ring and when the doorbell rings that's not Santa bringing me some Christmas presents. That's other people entering into the kiss party, literally knocking on the door and coming on in, bringing a drink and joining in the chat. So uh, this party carries on for an hour. And then after that, uh, uh, we we close it down because everybody goes to replenish their glasses. And then uh, we run on with the second party there. So brilliant to to have everybody here uh, on this this year's annual uh, kiss party. And and I have to say a great thanks to uh, Harbro, our sponsors. Harbro have stuck with us now for 160 episodes, been brilliant there of course they would have been involved in the Royal Smithfield show as well so uh, make sure that you give Harbro a nod and, and uh, uh, have a look see what they can do with you pop down to their store buy your Christmas presents um, make sure that uh, yeah, you, you check out their range of products and see how Harbro can help you uh, with your livestock nutrition so uh, thanks to Harbro and uh, everybody please sit back and enjoy this episode good evening and welcome to what is can only be termed I suppose as a posthumous Royal Smithfield Show Kissed Party. It's 19 years since we last had a kissed party there in Earl's Court and uh, invited everybody along. It's brilliant to see so many of you here this evening on this uh, Zoom call. And I, I'm going to record this call, so it's going to go out as a podcast later this week. So it's brilliant to see you all and, uh, and, and welcome to the Royal Smithfield Show Kissed Party. Merry Christmas. I'm going to start with a little bit of history on, on Smithfield that people will know. I'm not going to be a boring uh, history lesson. I do. We do have on the call there uh, Dr. Bob Hook. Uh, Bob's in the USA, and Bob and I are doing some work together on the history of the Angus, which is coming to come together in a in a project fairly soon. But uh, Bob and I have done a bit of a study on this, and Smithfield Show goes back to 1798. So uh, 
well over 200 years has gone by since uh, the Royal Smithfield show started as an offshoot of the Smithfield market. And uh, hey, Bob, there were some interesting times in the early days there with some of these these cattle there were just, there were some fat beasts that came out of the market, weren't they, Bob? Yeah, they were, uh, you know, some of them cut at nine inches of back fat. You know, it's pretty amazing. And I have, I have some I have some great pictures of, uh, you know, miner's soap, you know, the, the candles and the soap and all the things they use for tallow. And uh, it, it uh, yeah, they were they were pretty darn fat. It was, a, and, uh, you know, of course, once you had a far, agricultural revolution where you got all that good feed with small grains and turnips and everything, you could make the cattle that fat. Yep. I mean, Nine inches of back fat, imagine that. The show went on, moved from a few places round about London, and eventually, um, I'm going to fast forward a little bit, but to, to 1937 when it eventually settled in uh, in Earl's Court, in in, uh, in where it was, and obviously a, a good stone's throw from the Smithfield Meat Market where it was, and then became the agricultural fat stock show that it was, and and the pinnacle, I think, for just about everything within the fat stock world in the UK, but uh, Bob, again, I'll say you know, the, the, the Royal Smithfield show, I know that the Chicago exhibition modeled itself on on the Smithfield show, but the Smithfield show was the, was and has been the greatest show on earth. Well, I mean, there was there was an original show, the American Fat Stock Show in 1878 was a carbon copy of Smithfield. I mean, just down to you know, the time a year it was, you know, the only market classes uh, that came that folded in. And then they uh, had the uh, international started in 1900. And that that was still the market classes were still the feature of it. But they also brought in the breeding classes. It was the same time of the year, the you know, the end, last show of the year. And it was, you know, they, they drew a lot. But there was some of the uh, Royal and the Highland show were brought in in terms of the breeding aspects of it is where the breeze showed off so and it was all about you know, we had scrub cows and and in the stock show the stockyards wanted to promote use of purebred bulls and they even put up a building to house all, all the breed associations free of charge mm-hmm. i mean because they, they uh you know they wanted to get your cattle over here and and upgrade you know our scrub scrub flocks and you know uh uh, you know our sows and and uh, cowards. So so they, yeah, they, they, as I said, they, they, the Chicago International came over. They modeled themselves on the Royal Smithfield Show. That's how that's what a pinnacle that that it was. And then the Smithfield Show went from strength to strength. And as I said, the Smithfield Show was an evolution of the Smithfield Meat Market, of course. And uh, the Chicago Exhibition was also uh, an evolution of the. Of the Chicago stockyards, because the stockyards, of course, were just a sail ring in Chicago, but they also had uh, meat processing factories all around them, and a fantastic uh, story that is uh, that goes with that one as well, Bob. So the Chicago came about, although modeled on Smithfield, it came about uh, as um, an extension of the Chicago stockyards. Talking about the uh, uh, the uh, the American, how how it was tied with the American stock show. Uh, uh, I mean, the stockyards. I mean, they they uh, they process millions of livestock a year. Uh, you know, I, I think by 1954 they they processed their billionth animal. So uh, 
and uh, and the by, at 1900 they were they were uh, handling 82 percent of the meat consumed in the United States. So it was in their interest to improve the nation's flocks and 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 you know cow herds and everything else because it was directly in their in their pocketbook on what the product they put out. And we also exported a lot of beef to the UK. Uh, and that was a that was a big big market for us, and and you guys like really good beef too. And uh, so it was. Uh, I mean, the stockyards were were totally bought into into it as 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 to help themselves. You know, they, it was. What Bob is saying is there is, is they started their, their cattle show over there, and they got such good beef they were selling it back to us. And one or two of you guys only <laughs> might just have a have a word to say about that, Norman. <laughs> Anyway, moving back to the Royal Smithfield show, running into its second century there uh, in 1937. You know, the show cemented itself into Earl's Court, a new building at the time, and Earl's Court um, became was built. And this you know, fantastic brand new exhibition. By the time most of us on here remember it, it was starting to tire a little bit, but it did have that beautiful um, Art Deco front of the building that, that uh, Earl's Court had, and. and uh, Something that everybody remembers. What I'm gonna, I'm gonna run through a roll call just of, of the. I've only got records going back to the to the 50s, and I'm not going to bore you all completely with them. But the records, obviously, I've got records going back for 200 years, but I'm not going to go back through those. But I'm going to read just a quick roll call because to win the Royal Smithfield Show was the pinnacle. It was something everybody wanted. Everybody on here wanted to do, whether it was upstairs or downstairs. It was, I mean, upstairs. Uh, um, sheep downstairs with cattle. It was the one we want to do, and we've got a few winners on here tonight. Two or three of them I can see in, in front of me. Brilliant that you guys have done that. But I'm going to run through a roll call because I think it's actually prudent that that, uh, that we should honour all these people that have, that have, have achieved this uh, fantastic achievement. And and I, I start. I was going to do uh, 50 years from from sorry 60 years from 1954 to 2004 when the show closed, but I'm actually going to start a little bit earlier. Run through these fairly quickly because in 1949 it was won by Scottish Malt Distillers, and uh, they became a feature. Um, in, in that winning role. Um, 1950 by Edward Webb, 1951 by Jay Sainsbury's, of course, Sainsbury's uh, um, uh, supermarkets, Kinomany, uh, a fantastic herd of Angus. 1952, Scottish Malt Distillers, 1953 by Scottish Malt Distillers, and 1954 by Scottish Malt Distillers. And that's not only that one outfit has won it three years in, in, in succession, um, but also what, four years, uh, four times in, in six years and more to the point the chap that brought those cattle out there a chap called bill mcpherson and i've been on on to annie mcpherson today see if it's one of her crowd because it's from that part of the world donald i'm not sure it's one of one of your family but the mcpherson family they brought out four smithfield champions for them but three of those also went on and won birmingham like was the england fat stock show still is and edinburgh as well so three of those animals Four times winning Smithfield in in the fifties, uh, but three three times of those they'd won Birmingham and Edinburgh as well. What an achievement! I think those guys. You know, I'm not going to do rounds of applause for everybody, but that's just fantastic achievement to, to go back to the early days that I've got uh, I've got on record there, and and uh, Bill McPherson being the man behind those. So fantastic. <laughs> okay, well I will run through that because I think it's great. There's, there's in 1955 Major Gordon Duff, and I remember Major Gordon Duff because from Aberdeenshire, and then he moved down to literally. 
200 yards down the road from where I lived down in Worcestershire. He moved down there. And I knew this guy had some association with Smithfield. And I met him a couple of times at a sort of local church too. And I had no idea what, what a legend Major Gordon Duff was there. And there. if you look back in the records, he'd won it many times. But in 1955, that was him. 1956, A.H. Uh, Stobo, and we'll know Jim's died just recently this year. Jim's family, uh, Stobo, from there from Berwick on Tweed, fantastic uh, stalwart for Smithfield show. We'll all admit, and and, and uh, a steward in his later days, and and and, and Jim, you know, good stockman in his day too. So his name was on on the roster in in 1956, 1957 team man, 1958 um, Jay Sainsbury's again from Canermany, and of course Sainsbury's put their they basically. Sainsbury's realised that that uh, there was a market for good quality beef, and if they went in and bought some, some herd of Angus, then uh, they could put their, their name behind it. And, and Kenormany were a fantastic, a huge name in the Aberdeen Angus industry for you know two or three decades, and and. Um, and then 1959, I've got some of the judges in front of me. 1959, the, the, the show was judged by Alan Grant from the Thorn, and it was won by Witch Cross Estates. And uh, Witch Cross Estates was run by uh, the cattle brought out by George Rugg, brother of, of, of Bert Rugg, as we'll probably know more of, and, and the Witch Cross Estates, great Aberdeen Angus breeders again. So, uh, yeah, their name was on the trophy and a lot of other trophies as well, I think. Um, 1960 cancelled because of the smog and then my father used to talk about the other you know, smog that came on the, the the smog was this sort of massive smoke and, and fog that hung around london and, and they had to cancel the show and i know i think it was a 61 it would they nearly cancelled the show because the cattle were still all getting uh, and taking them down they're all dying from this bloody horrible weather that came around them so <laughs> things that we didn't know about in those days now the 1961 uh won by alan grant the thorn and the cattle brought out by bert rugg and judged by uh jimmy schofield and i put that uh picture of that beast on our facebook page recently a beautiful looking animal angus animal there and uh 1962 alan grant again this time judged by the great herman purdy and, and bob a lot of us have spoken about herman purdy the american probably one of the greatest judges that have been throughout america if not throughout the world you know a fantastic judge um that judge just about everywhere in in the world too um Legends. These guys are legends back in in that day. And then we move on to legends. In 1963, judged by uh, Jim Everall from Shropshire, uh, was uh, David Sinclair. And uh, again, we would say the great David Sinclair. And I know Hector's on here. Hector, you 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 didn't bring out cattle in 1961, Hector, but uh, unmute yourself wherever you are if you're still on, and uh, tell us a bit about uh, David Sinclair. Uh, David Sinclair. It was 1970. One night started going, and he was champion that year with a steer called Al, and reserve champion the next year, 72. I, I think there was six years on the trot, he was either champion or reserve. It was either five or six years from the white shorthorn steer, the Phoenix Freeze, through... To 1972, he was either champion or reserve. But the amount of cattle he showed over the years was astronomical. I remember one year we had 28 in Errol's court. It's 
Phenomenal, phenomenal. I remember him bringing that many cattle down. It was a float load on his own. Other cattle came down from Scotland, two, you know, five or six exhibitors on a float, and some of them they'd come down. There'd be ones and twos, and then David Sinclair's float would arrive in two floats, <laughs> two floats with his cattle on, and Hector with his head scratching and, and a bottle of whiskey <laughs> in his hand. But it just, just, we just. I'll move on through these because you're right about what you said about David Sinclair was reserved more times than he was champion, and but uh, it you know, did the he, he had three on each side, I think, or three and a four. Um, 1964 was a big year because it was uh, the year of, of Jim Bigger and it was the last Galloway to win Smithfield and Smithfield had been won by a Galloway going back into the earlier the century and then the Angus came on and Angus if you look at the records the Angus scored and scored and scored again and the Galloway didn't really get that look back in and then um, um, Jim Bigger of course you know, of uh, Chapleton fantastic Galloway breeders so that, that was winning there with the white beast and there's pictures of that going about the place uh, 1965 osmonds and i think that might have been by by albert retty would have been there by then i think but uh uh judged by e jones uh, a welshman and osmonds won that there with a pure hereford and again i think the last time pure hereford won uh, uh, one Smithfield, so that was 1965. 66, uh, Bob Adam, and a famous year, 66, nothing to do with the football. Bob Adam uh, judged the cattle there, and Alan Grant won the double. And uh, some of us will remember, um, a lot of us will remember, Ian Grant, of course, used to, to steward at the show there, fantastic. And I put some pictures up this week, but Alan Grant from the Thorn. Um, was a great cattle breeder, a pal of Bob, Bob, Bob Adams, but worked together very much. But Bob judged that year, and, and uh, Ian Grant uh, did the double champion and reserve one of the few times that that's, that's been won. 1967, cancelled foot and mouth, of course. 1968, uh, um, uh, Jim Bigger's father judged that. David Sinclair winning there again, his second uh, title. 69, Jim Stobo judged it, uh, and... H.A. Colburn, and I'm right in thinking he would be an Englishman, Colburn. Um, anybody can, can comment on that? It was a pure Hereford, Andy. It was it a was pure a, Hereford, okay. So I was wrong, the pure Hereford won that. So that was uh, that was one, yeah, okay. Yeah, Davy Sinclair was reserved that year, I think. So man, think they're hard to put away. And then 1970, another turning point, a milestone, I'd probably say, was uh, won by Mrs. Colfax. Of course, the beast brought out by Bert Rugg again, judged by Bill Stanbury. And... Um, that was uh, the first Charolais to win. Uh, Owen Smithfield had been um, a Scottish win, although Mrs. Colfax was technically English, I think, says me <laughs> fighting for that corner. Alan Everall judged in 1971. Davies Sinclair won again. This is the third time Davies had, had his name on there, as, as uh, Hector said, three times champion, three times reserve in a very short space of time. The man to beat. Um, 1972 starts the, the, the reign of another um, famous... A famous winner, but a famous partnership, I think, was Eric Ivory and John Lascelles. And, and uh, Tom Lachlan judged that that year. Ivory and Lascelles winning with uh, Angus Cross Angus, uh, 1972. And then the following year, Jim Bigger judged it, and Ivory and Lascelles winning it again. So twice in a row, and then they became a pretty hard force to, to beat. 1974, Tom Brewis, great cattleman that, that Tom was, great Angus man that Tom was. Tom judged that, big man behind Smithfield all his days, and that was won by Jim Donald. And uh, Jim, a legend to all of us, and I know Angus is on here somewhere. Angus, you'll have a quick word about that. It'll be before your day when, when your dad won the first one, but uh, 1974, rather, he got his name on the team sheet there. Yeah, I, I was at school at the time, uh, and uh, that was long before I got to go to Smithfield, but um, it was the late 70s before I was able to go to Smithfield. Um, 
And it was marvellous, obviously. But, um, <laughs> it, it, I was there for Big Daddy and Giggle Lady and all that era. So. Later on. Yeah. So that, that was the first one that Jim got his got his name on that on that team sheet and has said people look up to. Following year, Frank Yeah, young Judge Jet, another a, a legend, or two legends, I suppose, is Lahore and McMillan. And, and uh, of course, the legend Jimmy McMillan, um, again, a partnership. And, and it kind of was the thing changed i suppose that partnerships could buy these animals between them or breed these animals between them or one would breed them the other one would show it and, and or feed it or what have you and uh that got jimmy mcmillan there in the in the in the glass box um in 76 uh um bill stanbury judged it again uh jim mckechnie so another great name a lot of them you'll remember and, and jim had again had his name on that trophy twice uh the late jim now but uh i'm not sure Catherine's on here or not but uh well, there's some great, great pictures, and a lot of folks will remember Jim from uh, from France Farm. There. So, uh, uh, 1977, Ian Grant judged it. Uh, Ivory and Lascelles again with a beast called Thingamajig, and I've put some pictures on that. Anybody uh, remembers the beast Thingamajig? I did uh, in 1977, my first year at the show. Uh, a fantastic beast, and then the year after, Robert Needham judged it, and uh, and Kenny Sutherland. So, uh, Kenny's on the call tonight. Uh, Kenny. What an achievement. Uh, congratulations. Yeah, it was a great achievement. It was, you know, it was a lifetime of thing. It was a great honour. Great show. And, and there's something about great. something about the Smithfield show. It's not just the, the champion, but there's another, uh, even more covered, or as much covered trophy anyway, called the King's Cup. And that's when it's been an animal's bred when, by exhibitor. And you right, were breeding right. a few cattle, got a Charlie Bull in, in at the farm on your, on your the, Angus and Shorthorn right. cows, and you bred that beast yourself, yeah. We bred it ourselves, and we bred a heifer that day. Was uh, and we and we did heifer, and she was she won that as well. Yeah, yeah. It was a great honour, actually. Great honour. We well, had good fun. You know, enjoyed it very much. So, anybody says you're lucky, you're not. That's no, it's not about <laughs> luck when you do that, especially when you breeded that thing. And the animal called Busby, yeah, Busby, and there's been some it. pictures of Busby going up there. And uh, in 1978, uh, Robert Needham judged. Uh, um, 1970. 79, rather, Davy Sinclair judged and Harry Emsley. And I know the Harry's on, young Harry's on the call here and not. Jackie certainly sent me some messages earlier on. And uh, Harry won that with a beast. I think he bought out of Hawkney. And again, Kenny is a brother in law right. of yours. That would be right. Right. He was called Phil. Phil. That one. Yeah. Great. Uh, 1980, the last, I think, the last purebred animal to win Smithfield would be judged by Muriel Johnson. And that would be Scott Watson with uh, Panda of West Drums. And of course, uh, Norman, you probably wouldn't remember Panda, would you? But Panda, of course, was bred by Davy Smith and then brought out by uh, John, um, George McCulloch. I don't know whether George is on here or not, but George brought that beast out, a great beast, I think. Yeah, no, I, I remember it very, very well. Yep. Um, a, a, a lovely animal, a great animal, good representation of the breeds. I remember it very well. Good. It's a beast, actually. I can't remember what I did yesterday, but I can remember, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but that's an age thing. Like, you know, I think covers with <laughs> Brilliant. And uh, in 1981, to stop John winning, they put him in a judge, which is how you do, you do these things. And it's <laughs> happened to a few. And uh, Jim McKechnie won that one his second time as well. Jim Rowan judged in 1982. Jim Rowan, of course, a big cattle man, big beef man, I think. And, and I remember him judging with a great job. And Strathisla Farms winning that. And that be brought out by... Strathaila Farms would be Ian Roberts. Ian Roberts, and of course Ian Roberts, that's right. Ian Roberts. Another Charolais cross, and yeah, a great beast that was. Uh, and the name was High Voltage, no? Ah, oh, get you lot. High Voltage. 
Yeah, high voltage sounds about right. Sounds about right. Okay. I'll, pull, pull that. I'll, I'll keep rattling through these so we won't get there. Bob Rickerson, judge of the year after. John LaSalle's won again. His fourth time to John LaSalle's would be one of the few that are in that four times winning uh, championship. If I go back through the history for, for its 200 years, I think there's only three or four. I mentioned one. So uh, that, that, this, is, this is now... Uh, uh, John LaSalle's uh, winning on his own, so... Uh, um, uh, John LaSalle's Sorry, I beg your pardon. And Angus, Donald, you were, you were reserved that year. You remember you got beaten that day. <laughs> 84, Jim Bigger judged uh, again, uh, and Alex Herbage, those that remember the story behind Alex Herbage, and I'm not sure Richie Thompson's on this call, but Richie, of course, brought that animal out there, Thunder Flash, and the rest of us can remember he was a large guy. Larger than life, Mr. Herbage. Nearly as big as myself. <laughs> He, he was a large fella, and, and uh, Richie made a great job of bringing that beast out. And as some of us will remember, they just got through and won the championship, and in came the Polis, came the Polis and lifted him and took him away in handcuffs and, and led him out down to the Old Bailey, and, and, and he went he went away for for doing fraud. But there was nothing wrong with with the beast itself. Fantastic animal, and, and so well brought out by uh, Richie Thompson. 1985, uh, Nobby Bristow judge uh, Robert Aiken uh, uh, won that with a great, great limousine steer. The first, I'd say the first limousine, probably the second limousine, because the one of, uh, I think Rich Thompson's was a limousine as well. So the first time a limousine has had, had, had crossed yeah. those tracks. Robert Aiken did the same thing, and then the following year, um, Jim Rowan judged it again. I, I might have the, date, the, the people wrong there, I think, but uh, would he judge it twice? Maybe not. But that was the year that Joe Gilbert had won it, and Joe Gilbert. Uh, from down there in England, Joe Gilbert had been winning Birmingham for a few times and came to Smithfield the first time with a, a big modern carcass limousine beast. Probably not quite the, the, the flashy show beast that had been going on in the, over the years before and uh, picked up the championship there. And, and it was uh, it was uh, it was a change. I think there was a little bit of a change in it. Uh, uh, anybody remember that beast? Yes, it was a very good beast. Uh -huh. Very just a good cattle beast. Good cattle beast. Good cattle beast, you're right. And, and, and uh, the following year, another Englishman, John Lakin, judged yet another Englishman. We got Brian Peace winning it. So the second Englishman in, in, in succession. And uh, Brian Peace there from Yorkshire. Um, yeah, the Ebo, Ebo Ricky, if I remember right. The one was called Ebo Ricky. Julian, am I right? Do you remember that? It was uh, your part of the world? Yeah, I remember it. It was, it was a funny sort of chap, was uh, Mr. Peace, but uh, just turned up. Didn't do a lot. Got his stockman to do the work. Uh, very much a carcass. Yeah, a bit like the beast the previous year. Um, yeah, different from the sort of showy quality beast we were, you know, Smith thing was associated with. It was a milestone, wasn't yeah, it? It was, it was a, big, a change. It, yeah, it was a, it was a bit big, butchery sort of beast. Mm -hmm. okay. Which obviously John Lakin is a butcher, damn good judge. That's what he liked. Right. Yeah, yeah, and and that's fine. I mean, the judge, the judges is entitled to 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 that opinion, of course. And and uh, yeah, Brian Peace has said you know, a Yorkshireman, you know, speak it through, but brought a, a big big square carcass piece, not a lot of hair on it. Probably wasn't the most popular winner amongst uh, <laughs> some of the Scottish boys at the time. Following year, <laughs> nine, <laughs> following again, I'm getting a few nods ahead. So, uh, following year, uh, um, David Matthews judged it, and, and David Matthews, a Welshman, no disrespect, but uh, Arthur Jones won it with with a with a, a wee, wee baby of a, of a calf, really. I remember Arthur, and it was a fantastic beast again, just to, but it was a, I think about nine months, nine or ten months old there, just a little black, real sharp little thing. Just a bundle, but 
in the year after uh, John White of Medlock, uh, a lot of you know John White for various things, but a great cattle man, great cattle judge there, and uh, he, he picked up a beast that uh, one or two people had seen in the north there called uh, called the Bandit. And uh, Donald McPherson, I know you're on here somewhere. Donald, stick your hand up, turn it, unmute yourself, and tell us a bit about the Bandit, because uh, uh, we all thought you were a Bandit coming down and winning that, but that was some beast. <laughs> All right, I was at the loose. Sorry, I was listening to Storm and Norman. They are going on about a high voltage. What a beast that was, Norman! It was. I saw that at the winter fair. I thought nothing's going to beat that. Yeah, but equally, the bandit Donald was a tremendous animal. Oh, you're onto a bandit, right? Aye, yeah, yeah, aye, he was a decent beast, right, you know. He, he was a bit, a bit like high-voltage, kind of modern. Yes, yes. I think high-voltage would be the first one, the first modern type to be winning. Yeah, yeah absolutely. The, probably you and I were the first, you know, to see that type of animal in front of you with that scope and modern and stretch and that extra rib aye. as well. Donald, there was a wee story behind him there, wasn't there? I think it, I remember you telling me, didn't you, you? Your dad had seen a picture of him in the, like the Scottish farmer somewhere in, in a calf show up in the north, and, and your dad been loving his cattle. Just, uh, and of course, we all loved you and you and the legend uh, who jumped in, in his motor and headed up there to go and find it. Yeah, yeah. In fact, he went up. We saw the photo because he had won the Lavern show. And then Dad went up to the Black Isle show and tried to buy it from James Mackay. But James is quite canny. <laughs> and he took his team and it took a couple of weeks to get it. But uh, he managed to buy it eventually. And, they, and then James became great friends with us thereafter. Um, so, you know, it's not all about the animals. You've got all the connections with the people as well. <laughs> your father, when your father said, you're having a drink, it'll be, no, no, I won't have one. You'll have one anyway. It's, not, it's a hard man to refuse, your old man. It's 16 drops. One of the things there is a note of interest, and I'm sure most people will agree, the amount of animals that have come out of the north of Scotland you know, from, you know, Granton and above that went on to do very, very well and be very successful at Smithfield were phenomenal. I mean, that, that was a sourcing ground for a lot. If you didn't read it yourself, you went up to the north to these markets to try and source. Sure. You know, these calves to bring on. And again, Donald, Donald, we'll go on to your prowess that you've done uh, with 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 them. Um... Well, when I go through the rest of the roll of honour, your name's on there a few times. But again, your, your father would would agree. But he wouldn't go to the market and buy them. He'd just go and he'd, he'd source them, he'd find them, he'd see, seek them out, and he'd yep. go there and pick them off. And he... yeah. we spent the whole summer looking for them. Andy. <laughs> <laughs> what an experience that was! <laughs> oh man, there was a, several bottles of whiskey just to get things bought. <laughs> Yeah, but it, we put a lot of effort into it. You know, it was my father's passion, without a doubt. So, you know, he went with it. 
You went with it. Absolutely. You went with it. Well, let's just go through and run through that. I mean, I'm going to have a bit of a, a, a Q&A in a bit and say which the best beast we saw at Smithfield and the band, it's certainly up there in, in that. And, and a lot of people will agree with that. And that year, to be fair, um, I mentioned Arthur Jones earlier on. Arthur Jones was reserved, so uh, Arthur the Welshman was still in there. Uh, the following year, uh, John Thomas, Judge Jip, Brian Peace won it again. So Brian Peace, not just a flash in the pan from Yorkshire with his big carcass-type beast, but uh, second time, a little bit of a sweeter animal, but uh, yeah, brought two, two champions out in three years. Uh, 91, Jim McMillan, yeah, the great Jim McMillan judged it. Bob Douglas will all remember that one brought out by uh, by Fred Smith uh, and and bred by Archie McGregor. I think uh, who remembers that beast, uh, um, Hector? Yes, I remember it well. It was Fred at his best. He, I don't know if you remember uh, when he showed it. If the judge was at its back, it had a jewel in its nose, <laughs> and if it came to its head. The jewel was out of its nose. <laughs> <laughs> and and it, it, that went on through the championship and, and nobody seemed to pick it up. But that's, he was I was a good beast too. He, he, that's when Archie was selling a lot of tremendous calves. Like, You're right. It, it was a there was a lot of great cattle come off Allen Fold at that time. I, I would, when I first went down to, to, to well, certainly go down to Smithfield and seeing animals bred by Duncan McGregor, Duncan McGregor, Duncan McGregor, there just seemed to be every third animal bred by him. And he was selling these animals in the Cali for a good trade and uh, going there. And eventually, actually got himself stuck into it and thought he'd better give the job. Give the job a go himself. So the following year, so that one was bred by Archie. The following year, Harry Emsley judged it, and uh, the, the name on the sheet, Neil Pallister, uh, but uh, that was Starlight, of course, was bred by, uh, was owned by Jeff Bellis, and I'm not sure Archie's on here, but uh, another great beast, and, and uh, two, two champions in a row by, bred by Archie. He said he might appear okay. later on in the night. He had a meeting at seven o'clock. <laughs> yeah, well, he'd be one of the last men standing. Actually, would be and always was. Always is a backbone of a party down a kiss party, and it won't be. A, we won't stop this party yeah. till Archie turns up, and I'm sure he'll rock up. Archie, I could want the same song. For the same song, right. Following year, Hal Mabry judged it. Uh, Hal had been a big buyer of cattle, been down there every year buying them, and, and uh, Animal from Di Thomas and I had man involved in that one, uh, um, dressing the beast up. Uh, Di, I'd seen the animal first, to be fair, in Shropshire West Midland show, and I'd seen, said to Di, and Di should take it to Smithfield. Di had rarely been out of Wales before and said, right, get that beast sorted out. Phoned me, told him what to feed it, told him. What to how to how to dress it how to, to to groom it what have you and send it to Smithfield without a clipper being on it and arrived in Smithfield walked yeah. through the gates nobody had seen it nobody had recognised it the hair still you know things still covered in hair and I spent two days dressing that one and I was very lucky to get my get my foot into the glass box for that one with uh, with her judging that but uh, her name was Cindy she was a, a cracking beast and uh, uh, a day I was proud of. Two years later, because the show went every two years after that, was uh, Tom Adam judging Harry Emsley, and Jack has been on to me earlier on. Harry, uh, again, my hands were involved in, in, in the Clippers, and, and that was Harry Emsley, who won the, the coveted champion and reserve, and that's only a few times that's been won. Uh, a heifer called Miss Jackie, who, who was a super beast. I'd been up in Aberdeen and addressing those cattle a few, two or three weeks earlier, and some fantastic cattle they were, and then they won reserve with a hitman, which was uh, bought from uh, Robbie Wilson. Of course, you a lot of people know Robbie Wilson from uh, from Texel Sheep fame just now. And Stuart Hunter as well was involved in that. I think I see Stuart's name on there somewhere. And, and Stuart Hunter, there was a beast of Stuart's in there as well. Somewhere. You there, Stuart? 
Stuart, yeah, Stuart just passed a comment. I'm sure you can speak up. He's passed a comment, not passed away. That's good. And what's your passing? What are you passing, Stuart? No, yeah, Andy. No, I just uh, I was involved with that team with Harry that year. Uh, I was that was my second time in Smithfield. A great honour to be involved with that team of cattle and the bullock that I showed uh, that summer and my own name, uh, Harry Bottom privately from him. He went on to he was neck and neck with him and the hitman all summer and Harry bought the both of them and he did very well at the end of the day. He did a good he did a good day that year. You'd be just just about growing a moustache by then, were you, were you um, Stuart? Uh, I started here. <laughs> the beast that have more hair, than, more hair than your moustache anyway. Yeah, good, yeah, good job. I remember, yeah, remember having the crackdown there. Uh, the year after, John Dawkins judged it and uh, um, uh, Donald again, Donald McPherson. And, and the beast that's talked about a lot by a lot of people, I think, was uh, Lord of the Isles. Donald, t- tell us about Lord of the Isles and, and, and why. Well, Lord Isles was reserved to you. I was Cindy. Uh, with Cindy. It was uh, Donald Bann that we won with. Oh, I beg your pardon. Lord of the Isles was reserved to, to Cindy. You're right. Sorry. Of course. But uh, Don, so it was Donald Bann we won with, and he was homebred. He was out uh, at Simpsons Greg. The bull was here to Archie. Right. Charlie Bull. So uh, he, was a, he was a decent calf. Uh-huh. The only time we bred one that did any good. That, and it, 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 there's a picture I put again on on the, on the Facebook page today with uh, with uh, you you and your father waving the cup, yeah. and that's the King's Cup, and of course that is the one, just the one to win, isn't it? Just the one to win. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that picture you put on was actually the bandit. the Winter Fair, and that was the bandit. Oh, okay. There you go. <laughs> you got totally off the elbow, Andy. There you go. Then. <laughs> Thanks for putting me right there, Don. Like I, I, I should have you as my advisor. Honestly, I should. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. If you're not, no, the, I, I can't afford to phone you in Singapore. That's the trouble to get to get the answers. That's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> I know, no, that, it was the Donald Ban. Okay, Donald Ban. That's the one. Uh, move on. So move on. The following year, um, Arthur Jones judging and uh, Hugh Dunlop and Hugh's, for Hugh and Lynn Dunlop. Should I say probably Hugh on his own back then? But uh, Hugh, your first. Win there, Smithfield. Limbers in cross, Charlie. Uh, fantastic beast. And Hugh, you're on here somewhere. Give us this, give us a shout about uh, your first win at Smithfield and what that meant to you. Uh, no, that was the first time. I was relatively new to to Smithfield in these days. I think that was only my second time I went. Yeah. Uh, so it meant an awful lot to me and my father-in-law at that time. Ian Anderson was a great help. Uh, in these days, he had been a few times before that and knew how to the how the job went, so that was a great help. Can I, can I ask Ian? Ian, do you know how to unmute yourself? I'd imagine now, I would imagine you had to mute you. She'd, she'd love that if you don't to turn you off. Ian, put yourself on, get yourself live, press that button. Hello, Ian. Ian, oh. welcome, welcome to to uh, the, uh, the, the the old man of this bunch there, but maybe not by much because. Uh, uh, but Madge will call you the old man of this bunch anyway. But welcome, Ian and Madge. We're just absolutely legends of Smithfield, so it's great to have you on there and. Uh, Hugh was just paying you a compliment there. Tell us about that first beast that he won, uh, he won Smithfield with. A very, a very good beast. His type at the time, but I wouldn't say he was particularly my type of beast. Uh, my type of beast would be maybe more like, um, uh, that's my boy. I think that would be the second time that Hugh was there. That's my boy. He won the King's Cup 
Was it King's Cup for the best? Uh... I know that's my boy Ian. Uh, I'm, uh, that's my boy. He was a couple of years before. I'm oh, your he, man. Sure. Aye, well, he, won, was my, he was. He won that, the King's Cup. That was maybe my more my type of beast. There we go. There's a picture on there. Anybody yeah, can yeah. see that? Yeah. Brilliant. Um, anyway, every Smithfield champion's a good one. Well, Ian, uh, you and I have had a conversation. Anybody hasn't listened to the early podcast that we did, which is why this pod, this podcast started. Really, was us. We're getting to Smithfield week and being reminiscing about the fact we weren't there anymore. So I phoned Ian and we managed to get Ian, Hector and, and Dougie McBeth on there. And we had a we had a chat on there and you talked about some of the early days you went down. There. I think you went down there in the early 60s, uh, Ian, and, and you'd be the longest runner of all of us, I think, at, at the Royal Smithfield show. Yeah, that was from Indonesia. That was shown in the old Waverley Market in Edinburgh. And at that time... The cattle moved from the, the Fatstock Show, Edinburgh, to Smithfield, and it was on trains and cattle wagons. And uh, there'd be about four or five stockmen went into the so-called guards' van type thing at the very back, and we never saw the cattle again until they landed at Earl's Court. But uh, on the way down there, the only way we could keep ourselves in a half warm, big overcoats, and in the corner of the way van, gas van, there was a coal fire. And uh, one of the other chap, whoever's turn it was, had to put more coal on to try to keep the thing going. So no, that, that was an experience. But we, it seemed to be longer waiting in the the shunting outside Earl's Court that it was the, the, the journey down. But, uh, but then it was a great experience for a, a young laddie that was just no long married and didn't know what to do and all the rest of it. So uh, learn, learned a lot just keeping my eyes open and watching what uh, folk were doing. And the, the first year that year went down, it was... Uh, were a Highlander uh, who had been champion at the, the Winter Fair and he was reserve champion in London. Not a big thing in the likes of you top stockman's eyes, but for me, with a Highlander, it was a big thing at the time. And as long as you were learning and doing the best with your own breed, that was that was fine at the time. But what, uh, as the years went on, uh, you were getting... In, like Anguses and Cross Anguses and one or two Cross Charlies, things like that, give me great satisfaction. But what gave me more satisfaction, probably than ever, was even after I retired, helping Hugh and Lynn and being involved with them, and I got as big a kick out of that as I did with anything else, just helping, preparing, etc. And then uh, the Smithfields itself, just an experience Unless you'd been there, like most of us on this podcast, you would have no idea what Smithfield was like. But uh, it's just great to hear the likes of all your yourselves coming on and talking about these great old days. And unfortunately, a lot of the guys are not here now, but uh, the young ones are still coming on, although they won't see Smithfield. But I still think the, the, the big shows at the moment that uh, more or less 
they're next to what Smithfield was. They run very, very well. And I think the cattle, compared with the days when I went down, talking about commercial cattle, not just Highland cattle, but uh, I think they're brought out far better nowadays than ever they were. I mean, I remember the Welsh cattle, for instance, coming to Smithfield and <laughs> just tied <laughs> the ropes, no real halters or anything, and here he is, could be horns, and but they have fairly improved now. They can hold their own with anybody, these guys dressing cattle like that. So, But anyway, that's my summary of uh, my time at Smithfield. And um, uh, even yet, you know, it's uh, a great thing for myself and my to go to see the winter what's the, the fat stock show can't mind the fancy new, new name for it now oh, <laughs> anyway you'll keep me right with that Brit I just got this Brilliant, Ian. Uh, Brilliant, Ian. And the only thing I can correct you on that is probably the biggest kick you got is that you've had a bigger kick up the arse off margin in the past. So uh, and and sometimes deserved it too. So brilliant, brilliant. <laughs> Annie, I kick up the arse from Glenn. <laughs> <laughs> and, <laughs> Yeah, superb, yeah. superb, great, great to hear from you. Even last, I've lost what we got to there, but that was Hugh. You winning that one, and and nineteen ninety eight. No, not bad, not bad for a, a, a lovely couple from Ballin Louis. Very well done. I'm I'm I move on because the roll calls taking us. It's supposed to be five minutes taking us half the day. But nineteen ninety eight, Ewan McPherson got the got the job in judging that uh, his first year. I came in the stewarding, and uh, Archie McGregor won that one, and. Uh, um, if Archie's not on here, then maybe he'll come on later. But uh, a great beast. I think everybody's winner that that particular day. A good one. Um, and then the show started to, to lose a little bit of pace. In 1999, they, they put, we put a show in between us, uh, which I think was down in Tamworth, Julian, if I'm right there, judged by Michael Atkinson. And, and to be honest, I haven't even got a... A record of who won that one. It was it was the tough times, wasn't it, when we knew the show was 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 falling back a wee bit. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't easy then. Big a big change. Um, was it Litchfield? Litchfield, thank you. It was yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, it was uh, certainly certainly different. Put it that way. We we did just tried in in between times, and I probably missed out to. Um, Farm tech, so I've gone back. Farm tech was Donald won farm tech, didn't you, Donald? When was that? Would that be yeah, ninety five? Was it when you won farm tech? We had one year when we were just in Earl's Court two, didn't we? That was that was that farm tech. Donald will be there if he's not. Yeah, back to yeah I think that... you remember that 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 was that was the one that he won. With the, with the... You there, Donald? Thank you. That was the Donald Van year. Yeah, okay. yeah, that was. That was the one you, which was the first year, and again the Royal Smithfield Club, should I say, we had no control. Julian and myself, and Donald, of course, you were involved in that as well. No control over how the Smithfield Club controlled the show because the show was um, run by the Royal Smithfield uh, Show Society, which was most mainly controlled by the, the um, agricultural machinery guys, and and. One or two have pointed the finger at us over the years and saying, well, you guys let that go. And, we, and it was nothing to do with us. We run you know, the, the, the the machinery side drove that. And then when they said it was going every two years, we went, OK, it's every two years. We've nothing we can do. But it was Jim Stobo. So I'm stepping back a little bit. Jim Stobo, I think, was the mastermind behind saying, let's have a show in the off year um, in Earl's Court. And we managed to, to, to he managed to hire Earl's Court, too. We did. And I think. 
if I remember right, we showed the cattle, the one that Donald won, lost some nearly a million pounds running that show that particular year. So that was never going to yeah. be a, a go a year on year. And I suppose in yeah. hindsight, the writing was on the wall that the, the, the show was starting to lose a little bit. So we did try in 1999 to uh, to, to put a show together in in, uh, in Litchfield, as you said, probably not the, the biggest success. And then 2000, again, a great show. Um, judged by Robin Eden, of course, great Robin Eden was very much involved in the show himself, and uh, that was won by uh, Scott Watson and David Work with a with a, with a beast that, that they they had together, which is I'd never seen so much hair on an animal. I think it, anybody that saw the animal when they bought it for quite a lot of money, I would think. You know, Donald will back me up on this. A lot of money when this calf was bought, but I've never seen such a coat of hair on it, and it was just, it was a lot of hair on it, a lot of, I think, I'm right, think about 10 or 12,000, maybe 14,000 pounds worth of hair on a beast there, 14 but, and, uh, a half. Uh, and went on, and 14 and a half thousand, there you go, at Thainston, <laughs> and, and went on, and, and, and won Smithfield, and I think it was sold for 14 and a half thousand too, so, uh, uh, <laughs> that was the beast, and the reserve that year, I'm not sure if he's on, that year was Tote, and, and uh, Tote is, uh, a lot of you know, to, uh, uh, we young, a young whippersnapper of a boy that he was then, but he went on there and had the had the reserve champion there. Tote, are you on this call? No, no, he's not there. That's a shame. Tote came, uh, Tote, uh, him and he came and stayed with you a few, a few months ago down in France, and uh, we had a good good crack up at that. And he was uh, involved in that in uh, 2002. John Dawkins, Judge Yet Hugh Dunlop again uh, with Dermot Small becoming uh, reserve. I'm not sure if, if, if Dermot's on, if, if um, Gareth's on here, but uh, Hugh, your second winner, and that's the one that Ian said was a better beast. Is that right? Uh, no, that's not the one Ian was talking about. Ian would be talking about that's my boy who was away back in '93. Okay. Uh, that was, well, what's her name? Lip gloss. Okay, cool. She was a Charlie Cross heifer bred at John Roberts in a Logie rate. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, she, was, she was maybe a wee bit different. I'm not fair to say that was maybe one of my lucky ones. <laughs> Uh, but we take them all. We take them. We take them all. Well, two years later, it was. We had to wait two years for that. Two thousand and four. Uh, Willie Glazebrook in, in in the hot seat. Yeah, you take, take them all. You take them all, of course. Willie Glazebrook in the hot seat there. Uh, Harry Emsley reserved that year, where the calf came from. From uh, um, uh, John Smith Jackson. Hugh Dunlop, of course, winning that year with Dancy Queen, and, and uh, again we'll have a bit of a. Uh, a vote in a minute to the best piece that we've seen at Smithfield. To me, the first time I went to Smithfield in 1977, I thought the best piece I'd ever seen. And the, and the, the last year, in 2004, I'd say was the best piece I've ever seen, was, uh, was of course, with Dancing Queen. Uh, uh, Len, you're on here somewhere. Um, Hugh, you're on there. What a beast, anybody. What a beast. The best uh, Smithfield champion in my time. Thanks very much. But aye, she was one. She was always one of a kind. For us, anyway, uh, right for the night she was born. Her mum herself was at Smithfield in 98, I think it was. She was heavy heifer champion. Uh, so, but for the right for the night she was born, she seemed to always be the one that gave us the worries that these good ones always do. I remember going outside, I knew she was traveling and outside, and here she was hanging by the bum uh, in the coo. Well, she was quite a spirited kind of coo, so the Panic set in how we were going to get this coup coat to get this car out. <laughs> Thankfully, everything went to plan after that as it had today. She was only 13 months old at Smithfield and I think she was 606 kilos. It's a hell of a price, yeah. uh, So she never missed many days after that, but uh, she came a bit of worry and a bit of... We, we never showed her at all. That was the only time ever shown. Granddad, well, Ian Anderson always said it was the best beast he'd seen 
and we just kept yeah. her under wraps and kept our fingers crossed. That's, that, that's a hell of a thing to do. Sorry, Norman, you're saying that's a hell of a thing to do to not show that a beast you got that good and just know. I mean, that's what Donald was saying earlier on. We lived in Breeze Smithfield, and for you just to know that there's one place this animal's going and going there, not take her to the winter fair, not take her out in the summer, not to sell her, just, just to be there and just know that was going to come right. And just it, must, it was fate almost. Yeah, I would agree with every word that Hugh has said there. From an early, early age and right up, I always said that base was perfection from the tip of our nose to the tip of our tail. And uh, proved that, you know, she was only showing the ones, but she just went sailing through in my eyes. Though the other people would think, oh, there's better champions than that. But I think if uh, a consensus of opinion of a hundred top stockmen, I think... Uh, 75 to 80% would go for Dancing Queen. And I, do, I know Donald's there too, had a very good champion, but a different type. I would say there were two different types. Some folk like one type, some folk like the other, but Dancing Queen was my type. Although although I said that the that's my boy that I showed the photograph was uh, more my type than the... I'm your... I don't know. I you catch for that. But that's but uh, dancing queen was different again. From that's my boy. But dancing queen to me is my ideal type. Yeah. Well, Ian, thank you for that. Sorry, Ian, thank you for, for all that, really, because I said I'd have the first five minutes to talk about the role of honour, and we've actually done an hour on this already. It just shows how long these kiss parties get drawn out a wee bit, and I appreciate everybody being here and giving your time up there. So let's just... Let's just talk about that last show just for a minute. And the last show there again, Julian will we'll back me up and Donald for that matter. We'd be, we'd had a we'd had a heads up that the show for 2006 was organised. That, that the show was going to go ahead, and people had said on the 2004 show. By that time, I was a deputy chief steward, I think, uh, involved in that, and. and, and People said, I heard this is going to be the last Smithfield show. It's like, no, 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 no. There's going to be another Smithfield show, 2006. It's already booked. We've got the evidence. And uh, Donald Beggar, sadly, no longer with us. Donald said, no, this is going ahead. So um, we kind of thought that was going to go. But one or two of you, if not everybody, said, well, if this is the last Smithfield show, let's give it a kick of the ball. And, and we had a kiss party to end all kiss parties, I would say. And, and uh, there's been a lot of kiss parties at, at the Royal Smithfield show. But that one, I have to say, was one hell of a party and uh, probably all you guys on here were there maybe not Bob, Dr. Bob there but all you guys were there at that party what a party it was you can, you can only imagine but I, I mean I wasn't at that because I was far too old but then <laughs> uh, but uh, I can only imagine what you guys went through <laughs> not that night but the next day <laughs> 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 This, there's a lot of stories around that party. I know uh, um, Derek Skinner, I'm not sure if Derek's on here. Derek's saying he's getting up there with, with, with the, uh, the, um, the great uh, Charlie, that's, uh, Charlie Allen. Charlie Allen, I'm sorry. Charlie Allen died this week. And, and Derek's saying he'd been up on the kiss there and singing away with Charlie Allen at that. And I remember... I remember me, and, me get up there singing on there as well. There's a lot of there's a lot of things went on on that party. That, that what goes at those parties stays <laughs> in those parties. I know, but uh, Andy, I didn't realise that you were such a good singer and dancer. <laughs> what what got you up on the table? The biggest job you got on the table. The kiss. Up in the kiss. 
Mm. I, that was the biggest job. But once once we got you up, you were all right. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> you're right, Ian. I think we all went on that case one at a time. And the one thing that I will say, and I didn't realize I was a good negotiator, and, and, and for all that, case party went on there that uh, they sent in the security guards to say you are not allowed to stay inside of Earl's Court after six o'clock when the show is closed down. And it's like, we're all stopped when we can stay here. And they came in, and, and uh, the security guard came in and said, right, you've got to break this party up and send people away. And uh, they sent in to start with their head security guard and two or three more. And they came and Donald Bigger said, right, you you get in there and sort this one out. So I had to go and chat to these guys. And they said, right, give you half an hour and we're going to send in the heavy mob and going to shift these guys out of there. So within, I think by about <laughs> half past seven, they, they sent in probably a hundred security guards who came in and surrounded the place and uh, said, right, you guys, you're all leaving. And Donald said, you get in there. So I had to go in and, and, and I had to go and negotiate with them. I think I brought you guys till about eight o'clock there before eventually they came in. And there was, it was, it wasn't easy because there's a hundred London security guards there, bloodthirsty guys sitting there waiting, started surrounding this place going, we're going <laughs> to, we're going to get you guys out of there. And there was there's, there's two, 300 Scots from inside going, right, come and have a go if you think you're hard enough. So it was, <laughs> it was, a bit of a, a blood, probably one of my best negotiating jobs. But I think I got everybody out of there in one piece, and and I'm very sad to say that was the last show that we had. So uh, <laughs> that, that's, that's a tragedy, really. It's a tragedy. Anyway, that wasn't about this. Wasn't about just talking about going going through the the the, the winners there, because there's a lot of stories in here, and uh, we've done our hour and more. And uh, but there's a few people want to have a. See a few things. I think there we got one or two on here still there. To, I want to talk about the sheep certainly. I know Dave McCarrie's on there, Dave. Um, Dave McCarrow up there. You'll all know Dave, of course. So, um, David, unmute yourself. And Dave McCarrow upstairs in the sheep would be one of the your greatest days. And one of the biggest achievements would be the Continentals taking over the upstairs there, Dave. When was that? Uh, yeah, I started going to Smithfield in 1981. Um, I'd been showing the uh, pens of three lambs at the Ember Winter Fair. Started in 1976. And at that time... Ian Johnson, who was heavily involved in the Texel Sheep Society, wanted to try and get two or three people to promote the Texel Sheep. And they encouraged us to go down to Smithfield. And at that time, the Suffolks had a stranglehold on Smithfield show. The great Jack Bulmer, who was a legend, showing Suffolks and South Country Cheviots. Um, he was a man that we all had to beat to get my name on that trophy at Smithfield. So I started going in 1981. I won the short rules in 1982 and then won the Supreme Championship in 1983. It was a fantastic competition, Smithfield. And it was pens of three lambs uh, you had for the butcher's classes. And to get three lambs matching, um, was a big achievement in itself. You know, you could clip lambs into champions, but if you had a judge that could handle them, he knew fine that there was a lot of wool there, looking as if they were jigged. So you had to try and get lambs to start with that could handle well. And in the butcher's competition, on the Sunday, one of the one of the lambs, in fact, aye, it was just... Sunday morning, one of the lambs out your pen of three went away and, and was killed and then was brought back on the Monday. And this carcass lamb was hung above your pen. So you had 
another competition you were competing in because you had your weight ranges and the carcass was in a competition and you had an overall carcass competition as well, champion and reserve. And then you showed the pen of two in the butcher's classes. And then your butcher's champion would go up against your purebred championships, which was judged on the Monday and the overall championship on the Tuesday. And it was a fantastic competition. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thoroughly enjoyed the cattle side as well. We used to go downstairs and get involved in the parties and we had some great times. Thoroughly yeah, enjoyed it. Some great great times upstairs as well, of course, so they're in the, the sheep bar and some of us boys would go up to the sheep bar upstairs and, and I'm not sure Marky Stewart's only just now, but I know Marky would, would, would advocate that as well, that uh, some of the... Some of the crack that went upstairs there was just you know, phenomenal. It crossed over a little bit, but uh, generally the upstairs and the downstairs and that bloody great escalator between between us. But uh, fair deuce to you, Davey, to to be the first continental to win that to take the to take the spoils. I think from Jack Bomber because Jack was was obviously mm. or the Bomber boys are the ones that rule the roost. And Dave, David Thames on there summer and David, you, you, I think you were there with uh, with the Bomber boys as well. So you're a Yorkshire man. You guys would have ruled the roost for a while. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a magical time. We we were three farms all in the same village. I was in the middle. Jack was at, on the top end of the village, and Richard at the bottom. So we did a lot of things together, and it was it was magic, great times, you know. So you came in, but you would you you would work work for Jack or work with Jack, yeah, and you work together because Jack was alive today. We showed together. We also had I had Suffolk's and I had Chiviets. I used to show Chiviets. We won with Chiviets at Smithfield. Um, right. About 83, 84. The wagons were set off from York down there. We used to be about 20 of us. We used to be the Scots from Northumberland as well, from Rosedon. And we'd have two or three tables in the hotel there. And um, the the Filipinos controlled the bar. But it was a a big room, but very dark. And we'd always have the tables in the corners of the room. And... uh, Money was tight in them days, and we'd uh, all bottle, we'd all go for a, to the bar and get a whiskey and a bottle of lemonade, and they could never understand how we all rolled out at night. Uh, we all had a bottle in, in our in our coat pockets. <laughs> Magic times, you know, unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, typical Yorkshire. You take a bottle each, in, a bottle of whiskey each in your pocket, then, and just uh, yeah. make it make it last. <laughs> Fair enough. I, I was yeah, talking. That was great. I talked to you earlier on and you said you used to go up the town there and I know there's one or two we used to go up the town in, in Smithfield and, and in, in my first time in 1977, Ian won't admit anything if he was there earlier on, but we used to go up to, to Soho in the, in, the, in, the, in the back end of, of, uh, of West London uh, and, and a fairly dungeon sort of a place that... that uh, um, at the back there. By the time we got the 80s, it all been cleared up again, cleared up a little bit. So, as I said at the outset, there we're going to leave the party there for a minute. Let everybody replenish their glasses. There will be an episode two. There may even be a three episodes of this one, but the last one, I'm sure, would be X-rated. So, uh, I hope you've enjoyed spending a bit of time in the company of some great and accomplished uh, stockmen, stock people, and uh, all those there that were in on the call that were listening, maybe not contributing there. Thanks very much for your time there. So, uh, hope you enjoyed that episode. Episode two is coming next. As I said, may have gone a little bit uh, off the rails with some of the. Some of the comments that we had, but we'll try and keep it as PC and edited as, as possible. And uh, 
I once again like to thank our sponsors, Harbro, for their fantastic support that they've given us over the years and make sure that uh, this year, next year, all the years that you look out the range of Harbro products and see what they can do for you and your livestock nutritional requirements. So uh, thanks to Harbro. And uh, if this next episode runs over Christmas, we'd just like to wish you all, all our listeners, Harbro as well, to everybody uh, a happy Christmas, very happy Christmas from uh, myself and us here at uh, Top Lines and Tales.